Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. Hi, my name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about brand marketplaces and how brands can utilize them effectively. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Adrian Neustenbaum, co-CEO and co-founder of Miracle. Uh, Adrian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Hi, pleasure to be with you. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this uh, topic with you. So why don't we start by you giving a little background on yourself and uh, what led you to co-found Miracle? So asking a French guy to start introducing himself in a timed uh, podcast is a bit of a risk, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been, uh, I, I was born in Paris. I've been an entrepreneur for like more than 20 years. It, this is my third company and I've lived in the U.S. for half of those 20 years uh, Miracle is a SaaS solution that allows retailers, brands, distributors to create uh, their own online marketplace. So adding third-party uh, sellers to their online assortment and scaling their business. So Miracle provides the whole infrastructure, back-end infrastructure, vendor onboarding, uh, price inventory management, and all the way through quality control and enforcing the the, the good experience for the end, end user. So it's kind of a, we're the leading SaaS marketplace solution. Wonderful. Well, so let's, let's get started here and talk about the, the rapid adoption of marketplaces in the retail space. So as you just said, you know, Miracle provides the technology for brands to more rapidly launch their own marketplaces. Can you talk about what's driving this need to launch marketplaces in the first place? And, you know, what's changed or evolved to make this so important? I think the, the the number one driver is that with the uh, with the emergence of, of digital, there, there is a, on the customer side there is a, a willingness in a way to to centralize more of one's purchase on one site on the same website. So it's kind of the, I mean obviously the extreme being Amazon the everything store, but when you look at it from a category per category, if I'm shopping for sporting apparel. I don't want to go and have to to buy in three different places the the basketball net, the cool basketball shoes, the shorts, 
and um, and it's very hard for a distributor, a retailer to to just have everything everyone needs. And so marketplaces have naturally emerged as a as a way to leverage third party sellers to complement the assortment and basically offer all in one place in a highly curated way because marketplace sometimes people say oh that's like eBay in the early right. 2000 with like unknown sellers and mom and pops no today there's a lot of structure around marketplace around the way they're organized around, around how they can be curated and so um they really answer this this e- easy i mean natural need which is selection obviously there is elements of price in some markets in some categories where the competition that you may create amongst third-party sellers can help drive price to what the market expects price to be. And there is a notion of selection and service, uh, availability of the product. If you maximize the, 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 the sources of supply, you have greater chances of making sure that you can basically welcome someone in your store and say, yes, we have what you want at the right price and it can be delivered to you today. Yeah. Yeah. So from a branding and marketing standpoint, you know, what benefits do these marketplaces have from a brand perspective? So, I mean, from a brand perspective, meaning the actual brand or retailer hosting the marketplace, uh, it's, it's about, uh, it's about being relevant. And and recently I was on a call with the CEO of a large retailer and he, and he was saying uh, for us, uh, there is a sense of urgency to launch our marketplace because we need to regain quote unquote product authority and mm-hmm. and by that it's really being perceived like we were perceived in the physical world as the place to go the go to place for x y z and um and there is also um, very different marketplaces like if you think of of the 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 companies that um, that you know that miracle um serves in the US, it ranges from, you know, companies like um, uh, Bloomingdale's or Belk or, uh, uh, but also like people in, in the, in the food industry, like Kroger, or even brands like Madewell, J Crew, and even more specialist stores like Oriental Trading. I'm not sure if you're a great company, if you're buying stuff or parties and stuff like that, uh, all the way to urban outfitters and Weight Watchers and many more. So as you can see, all these brands, and I'm focusing on retail uh, specifically here, or retail brands, consumer brands, they, they operate in very different categories, but they all see marketplace as a way to either expand outside of their core. Uh, Madewell is using their marketplace to invite uh, uh, minority-owned, black-owned businesses to, to, to be represented on the Madewell side. It's part of their 15% pledge. Um, Companies, um, the CEO of of of, uh, of Macy's was was interviewed on TV, and he was saying, uh, "Our marketplace is is here to help us solve uh, assortment gaps." And he was saying, yeah, "During the COVID phase, everyone wanted to buy bread machine. We didn't have bread making machines at at Macy's, but if we had a marketplace, we would have been able to offer such products." So it goes from like core to non-core. It, it's a very broad uh, opportunity and value proposition. Yeah, I mean, it sounds uh, it's interesting because in a way it allows a brand to focus. And yet, you know, with the bread machine example you just gave, it also allows a brand to expand as needed. So, you know, it's kind of it, it sounds like it gives flexibility. Right. And that 
I would, I would assume that flexibility is based on, you know, whether it's external factors like supply chain stuff or maybe consumer preference or consumer demand. Does that, does that sound right to you? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, it's all about scale and, uh, and flexibility. And, and it's all the way from customers are, are interested in this category. We don't have the expertise in house, but they expect us to have these products. How do we solve that? Uh, customers want these products. Supply chains are disrupted. We don't have them in stock. How could we, uh, how could we build easily, uh, uh, flexibility in our, in our supply chain? Um, it, it's a lot of like very different examples of benefits. And, and fundamentally, one thing which is key is that if you think of, of how a marketplace is operated, it's much less intensive both resources and capital on the side of the the brand or the the retailer that uh, operates the marketplace uh, you don't need to hold the inventory source it take the risk hire tons of people to to merchandise completely new categories you really leverage what you've built already whether it's your brand or your access to supply and and your and the traffic you're getting to your site yeah yeah that's great. Let's talk a little bit now more from the consumer perspective and you know talk about how shopping demands have changed and how uh, branded marketplaces can adapt to this. So in your position, you must see a lot of data and information on changing trends related to online shopping and, and things like that. From your perspective, what has changed uh, from the from a consumer's perspective that's causing brands to rethink how they offer an e-commerce experience? I think, I mean, there's many different uh, areas, but one big change is probably how uh, the Gen Z, uh, I think there was a recent Bloomberg article where the Gen Z now commands 360 billion, I think, of disposable income. Oh. And and the way they, they buy is really, um, it's very different from everything we've we've known and seen in the past. and um, And so we feel that, forward-thinking brands really need to pay attention to to popular Gen Z platforms like TikTok, Instagram, etc. And um, and there are so many kind of trends that are emerging at any moment on these platforms that a marketplace is a great way to, to once again build a, a larger supplier network, which allows you to make sure that you can carry uh, at maximum of the stuff that that this generation may be uh, looking for and i think also there there is a lot of the importance of of having more data around um, what's being sought uh, from a from a demand perspective mm. it allows you to also optimize your warehouse inventory and and avoid maintaining massive uh, uh, amount of, of of inventory and um and i think this the marketplace gives you the ability to it's what we were saying. It's the the, the flexibility um, around um, around that, and I think the last thing is probably that there used to be a bit of like fear in terms of buying from a third party. Yeah. But this is really going away. This is this is also a generation that's really first and foremost interested in uh, can I get what I'm looking for when I want it. And um, and so this has we've seen like drastic drop in in fears of buying from third party marketplaces, 
to the point that now it's really become a, a very natural behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw, speaking of Gen Z, I saw a statistic recently that uh, 56% of Gen Z are shopping on online marketplaces. So, you know, certainly this seems to be something that is more and more comfortable. And as that generation gets more income to spend on these marketplaces, that it seems like that will grow even, even more. Are you seeing, maybe not quite as much even, but are you seeing similar increases in adoption from other older generations? I think when we look at our at our customer base and their customers, uh, obviously you don't you don't see the same customers across a, a Madewell, a Belk, right. and, a, and a Weight Watchers, and um, and it's clearly a, a phenomenon that's that's spreading across all generations. I think one thing which is interesting to mention also because you said they're buying from marketplaces, but they're also selling through marketplaces, and there is a growth also amongst this generation of the the kind of circular economy i buy i resell and um and and i can't but not share the i have a 14 year old daughter who who decided to launch uh, an apparel brand last uh, last summer i mean this summer she worked on it for a few uh, a year almost and she designed some clothes she had them made etc and when the time came to to sell uh she didn't think of like going wholesale and, and she basically listed opening, opened a store as a marketplace seller on, on a bunch of miracle powered marketplaces like uh, very shop or Belk. Uh, she reached out to influencers on, on Instagram and messaged them and send, send them some, some samples they posted on TikTok. And so everything is changing, like the marketing, the distribution, uh, so this this is having a really very strong impact on on an industry like fashion for even the way things are made because it goes so fast that you need to be able to source more locally because when you have success you want to be able to produce more faster yeah. so it's really interesting to see how th- this evolution is impacting the the whole value chain of 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 an industry for example like the apparel industry yeah that's really interesting and i i would imagine then you know, in addition to building relationships with uh, individuals as customers, to your point about, you know, your your story about your daughter, these brands also have the opportunity to build relationships with potential suppliers who might also be customers, right? So is that, do you think that builds a, a unique kind of relationship? Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, there is a, there is a blurring of traditional borders, boundaries in a way. The uh, you and and to the point, like I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll mention three customers: so Kroger, Bed Bath and Beyond, and a great uh, digital uh, native uh, e-commerce business called Dormify that sells everything for dorms uh, and colleges. And so you have three different companies. I mean, here you have long established, well established retailers. You have an emerging digital brand and and so the collaborations that are happening amongst those three are are completely unique and only possible thanks to the marketplace economy yeah i mean it seems like an interesting way for a brand to still have a branded presence and yet be able to expand and contract as as needed i mean i th- i think that's a you know it's a brilliant way to to kind of solve that because i, I do think that not everybody wants to buy milk from the same place that they 
buy, you know, whatever designer handbags or, or stuff like that. Some people may, you know, and, and there's, there's a store for them, but there is, there is benefit to having some kind of targeted and, and focused and branded presence, I think is important too. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. And and the thing which is important to highlight is that often when, when I started a Miracle, people would say to me, oh, we don't want to be Amazon. We don't want to sell everything. Right. And and I think that there's a big difference between selling everything and selling everything within a vertical where the customer expects you. Yeah, agreed. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up here. For those brands that maybe haven't gotten started with setting up a marketplace yet, what's a piece of advice you would have for them to, you know, as they're considering getting started in this in this realm? I, I mean, I think there's there's a... Um, we we have the ten commandments, but I'll stick to kind of three. I think the the first one is it has to be top level driven, top level endorsed initiative. Otherwise, there is too much risk of crumbling under fake fears. You know, cannibalization. Uh, how is this going to impact the customer experience? I mean, these are good questions, but the success, the many many marketplace successes out there, are proofs that they can be addressed. And so if you don't have a top level endorsed initiative, it's going to, there's a risk that it kind of like, you know, um, gets lost in, in the weeds. The second thing is probably the fact that, and, and we don't see that that often now, but in back in the days, brands or businesses would, would launch marketplaces and they would kind of have them sit on a separate tab, on a, mm-hmm. on a kind of separate domain uh, in a way that's from a consumer perspective was like, okay, the real biz- the real, the real offering is here. Yeah. If you want the kind of like, uh-uh, <laughs> you go there. So yeah. that's also a, um, a, a kind of, um, a, a bad way to, to, to do it. And I think the, the last one is probably to avoid confusing curation with, with scarcity and, and often, um, we have this these conversations where people or every single one of our you know customers say we want to be curated but curation doesn't mean doing a you know having five products right it, it it's uh, there's a lot to to curation but who do you onboard what you ask partners when you onboard them how the products are uh, ingested and and normalized presented um, there th- there's more than just saying oh we're going to open uh, a marketplace to only do uh, um, polar ice making under 15 inch machines, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Adrian, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you and Miracle are doing? Um, I'm going to be very old, old school, but I think miracle.com and our LinkedIn uh, channel has a lot of uh, great content. We host uh, a lot of. Um, global events with a lot of our customers telling their stories. So uh, that's probably the the best way. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Adrian Nussenbaum, co-CEO and co-founder of Miracle for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. 
To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.